Hi. Welcome to the LNS Fables podcast. I'm Liv. And I'm Sterling. And we're going to answer one of your questions about writing, our po- books, or the indie author process. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at LS Fables or here on Spotify. If you want more writing tips and tricks or information about our latest releases, join our newsletter at lsfables.com. Today, we're going to talk about something that has been bugging one of our listeners, Nuggies. We hope this helps. The topic is, how do you deal with perfectionism and fear of failure? What a big one. Don't you think? No, I don't have any of these problems. You don't have any of these problems. Never touches you. Mm-mm. Well, we both know of the two of us, I am the perfectionist. Yes. So, why don't we, <laughs> why don't we um, address that one first? I, I think. think that's probably a good idea. So, how, how does my perfectionism hamper us, do you think? You want to talk about the old days or the new days? Uh, talk about the old days. Start at the beginning. So, a very quick recap. When Liv and I first started writing together, and still to this day, we write on a Google document, and we write at the same time. Not literally at the same time, usually. But that means that we're both logged on. We're both involved in the whole process. Yes. So, I, even if I wasn't in the state, same state as Liv, literally, not emotionally, um, I could see her little, you know, dot, 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 and her... Words popping up on the Google document, and then her erasing them, and then her writing them again, and then her erasing them, and then her (laughs) writing them again. (laughs) Um, So I think for perfectionism specifically, what I experienced in the very beginning, just writing, not editing, just writing, was a lot of, it took you longer than you do now to produce content. Yes. Not quality content, just content, period. Yes. I would agree with that. It may it takes a lot longer to write anything. Yes. As a perfectionist. <laughs> um, and then it is harder to let go of what you have written without going back and changing it, making it just a little bit more perfect, a little bit more perfect. Yeah. And and the thing is, when you're six months later and you're in the editing process, you're not going to remember this one sentence. Yeah. So one of the way we the way we deal with that portion of it Mm -hmm. is that I have gotten better about editing while we're writing. I don't delete everything I write any longer. I still do it occasionally. Too much protestation. (laughs) But... I don't edit as much while we're writing. We actually write really quickly. And this is mostly due to Sterling. Mm. Because she's a she's a little impatient. <laughs> <laughs> but we write really quickly. And we don't edit while we're writing. Mm-mm. I mean, if we're going to edit, it is going to be the red squiggly line. Right. Yeah. That shows up under something. It's like, did you mean this word? And you're like, yes, that's how you spell spaghetti. Or or me, uh, two, 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 there, 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 two, 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 there, 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 obvious comma issues, run on sentences, big stuff that you notice while you're writing or we notice in each other's writings, fix really quick and move on. Like there's no, how should I say this? Can I say this differently? No. First draft, we are just getting the words down. Just producing content. And having content is a lot easier to work with than spending three weeks editing 
one scene or something like that, we ultimately have more done, more to work with, and then when it comes to the editing stage, we do what Neil Gaiman says and make it look like we knew what we were talking about the whole time. Mm. <laughs> yes. So back in the day, for the perfectionism, the thing that I saw Liv do the most, because I had the unique perspective of literally watching her write, was she would erase a lot of things that oftentimes were really pretty good and, you know, on equal level, occasionally better, and sometimes worse than what she ended up producing. So it wasn't like every time she deleted, she was making it better and better and better. It was not really noticeably different and then we still had to edit the Myrna out of our first book that is true so all of those backtracks didn't really change it anything. didn't really improve the book yeah um I am still more careful about what words I choose mm -hmm, than you are for sure for sure and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing no no it is only if it is hindering you it's only if it's hindering you if it's making it impossible for you to finish your project or if it's taking you seven days to write a scene because you're so worried about getting the perfect words i am here to tell you as your friendly neighborhood perfectionist that you get to change it later <laughs> in fact, you can even publish it and then later realize that a chihuahua may or may not have stepped on the keyboard and put in a couple of symbols like a plus sign and a nine and a seven and a parentheses, for instance, and go back and edit that edition of the book. So that it's not there anymore. Yes, the first if you, if, time If you do what that. we do and you self-publish. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's a little bit harder if you go the traditional route. But even then, there are second and third editions of books. Yes, that is true. This is not set in stone. How many scenes did we delete out of Vassal? A lot. How many chapters completely never made it into that book? Mm, seven? <laughs> something not something that like counting. that. Something like that. I have a Google Docs called Deleted Scenes and Chapters, and it's pretty full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is not forever. This isn't a tattoo. Yes. You, it doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect the second time. You can make this better each editing time. Mm -hmm. You can make it better when you send it to friends to read or to beta readers or to an editor, depending on what route you take. Mm -hmm. You are not stuck with this edition of your writing. But if your perfectionism is making you stuck in the chapter, stuck in the scene... Then you might not have something at the end that is a whole story. Yeah, there's no point in editing because it's not going to ever be done. Yes. So the first step, I think, of becoming a recovering perfectionist <laughs> from a recovering perfectionist is to change your, the way you think about what you're writing. So you are no longer trying to write the most perfect thing you possibly can at that moment. You are just trying to write. <laughs> so even if you end up tossing it, changing it, rewriting the sentence later, at least at the end you have a full chapter. And even if you have to delete a chapter, at least at the end you've got a full book. And that book can be edited and made into what you really want it to be. So step one, 
just write the dang thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and be prepared to take criticism, to make changes as needed later. I think that actually, it really helps me to be able to take criticism, knowing that this was just something I put down on paper that I was intending to change later. Yeah, this wasn't something that you spent three days agonizing over. Yeah, just like every single line and then someone wants it to be changed. That's like three days of your time versus 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, So as far as like the past perfectionism, Liv did a lot of deleting and these days she rarely does. I mean, she was saying she still does it, but I, I watch her write. She does not delete to the... I mean... Not to the same extent. You used Every to drive once me in a while. while. You would yeah. delete multiple paragraphs. Yeah. I'd be like, what was wrong with the 18 paragraphs you just had? <laughs> and because Liv is the sweetest, slowest typer, <laughs> it took a while to get those paragraphs out. If you yeah. could speed type, it would have been better. But you're very deliberate with your finger <laughs> placement. So, and I'm not saying if you're a speed typer, it's okay to then go back and delete a ton of stuff. No, like just get content out there. You can edit content. You can't edit a blank page. Yes, that is that is a great way to put it. You can edit content. You cannot edit a blank page. Um, there is a flip side though. Mm. There are times when perfectionism will help you. <laughs> yeah, like in the actual editing process, not yes. the writing process. The editing process is when you get to be your little perfectionist self and make sure that all the commas are placed exactly in the right place. All the periods are where they should be. That You don't have anything weird like run-on sentences or misspelled words. That is when you get to shine. That's when you get to rewrite your first sentence seven times until you have it the perfect exactly you want it to be. And at the end of that, you've got a whole book that is hopefully grammar free as possible or sorry you want grammar it's not grammar free <laughs> grammar mistake free as possible <laughs> grammar, grammar error. free error no commas i meant error free <laughs> as possible um and portrays your story exactly how you think it should be portray- portrayed mm-hmm. and even if you are not a self-publisher like we are that can be really helpful when you want to send your story to um, publishers or agents mm-hmm, or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. If you have a clean manuscript, it's going to make their job easier and it's going to make them want to work with you more. Mm-hmm. It's going to make you seem more professional. So at the end of the day, your perfectionism can help you. It can be great for things like that. It can be great for... Um, Making sure that the information in your book is accurate. Like, um, another thing that I have recently... Yeah, I was going to say... Had to get better about... Old live was the typing and deleting. New live is the research black hole. Research black hole. It's like, I I want to get the, the details in the story perfect, so I will go research them and instead of, instead of writing. So... One way we've gotten around that is by putting, like, an all caps, fill this in later, and researching during the editing process when I'm allowed to be a perfectionist. (laughs) Right. Because, circling back to the ever-important topic here of content, if we never finish the scene or the chapter because we went into a research black hole about how ships are constructed, 
we won't have the scene with the ship. It won't matter that we know about the hull and the stern and the sail and the... It doesn't matter, right? Yes. Two, on the... There's, like... There might be research that you have to do while you're writing, though. You might have to know something before you can figure out how things are supposed to happen in the book. Yeah, mechanical stuff. Like, how would you literally get out of this situation? How does the door open? How does the how do black holes happen? You know? Yeah. There might be situations when you have to research while you're writing. But, um... There are plenty of situations that you don't. That you don't. That you can say, all right, I will figure this out later. Let's finish the scene. Let's finish the book. And then go back and make it look like we knew what we were talking about the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We do that with names sometimes. Yeah. We, half our book is like, pirate name and then (laughs) now we're editing right now we're in an editing phase and we just have to go and look up names in the naming uh language that we've been using for this location yeah because we didn't have great internet at the time or we just were in a little bit of a rush you know when Liv and I work together write together we we usually have a small amount of time yeah it's like it's like okay we've got four when we've got four hours or we've got two hours yeah how much can we get done and so it really matters that we're making our time, our use of that time efficient. Mm-hmm. And I have had to concede to less researching during the actual book writing so that we can finish the book and then go back and make it better. Yeah. And that's okay. But um, all my dear little professionist friends, you will still be able to create something you are proud of. If you let go of the editing and the researching and the nitpicking in the moment and just get it down on paper. Yeah. That's that's the basic gist of it. Pretty so, much. And, you know, I think, though, that these topics really go hand in hand because the other side of the other topic is fear of failure. Yes. And I think sometimes the perfectionism is like a coping mechanism or a defense mechanism to like fear of pushback or yeah it's not gonna be good enough therefore i have to make sure it's good enough but by sitting here nitpicking and deleting and deleting and deleting and deleting i'm never actually going to produce content so therefore i will never fail yeah you'll also never succeed and some people i mean sometimes fear of success is just as difficult to face as fears of failure yeah that's something that i encountered in um studying pedagogy mm-hmm. studying teaching people things sometimes it's not fear of failure sometimes it's fear of success or fear of change mm-hmm. or something like that so that's a lot to unpack yeah <laughs> and we're not your therapist <laughs> yes but um how do you think we deal with those kind of things so do we think that fear of failure and fear of success are effectively the same thing they're at least very related yeah so then we'll just kind of clump them, them together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think fear of criticism goes in with this. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we deal with that? Well, I think we're in a really unique position, and I don't know how helpful it is to people who are writing on their own. I have a writing partner I can lean on. I can have a writing. I have a writing partner that if I'm having a rough day and I'm really doubting things, usually she's not, and she can pull me up. Yeah, that that has been something that's happened. Yeah. It's like, um, some days you're like, 
Is this even good or? Yeah, I have writing days where I'm like, I don't even know if this is quality. I can't write. Is this even worth it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, you look to me and I'm like, no, this is good. And for these reasons. Mm-hmm. And we can, we really should keep going because we're doing something important. Yeah. Um. So I think that people who aren't writing with a partner mm-hmm. can find that too. Um, you mean like a fan system? A fan system, a support system at all. Uh, your support system might be your family. It might be other friends who are also writers, but not mm. like technically writing with you. Yeah. I think I think that's a big one. We've done a lot of writing workshops. And that's something that people have mentioned repeatedly is writing support groups, basically. Or groups of writers that you can talk to and bounce ideas off of and work through things with luckily we have each other so we haven't really gone and pursued that a lot but each person each writer out there you need your own little support system so whatever means that means to you that can definitely help you get past those scary this is not i can't do anything right days yeah definitely and for me the feel of fear of failure is not as big as the fear of not trying at all. Yeah, that's fair. I what's that called? The f- regret. The regret of giving up or something like or that. Or not moving when I should have or not taking my moment when I had it. That explains a lot about you. <laughs> that's like my mantra. I'm like I do not want to be That's my mantra. I don't you don't want to regret I do not want to be two years down the line going, I wish I bought that property. I wish I moved to that job. I wish I had asked that person out on a date. Yeah. I I like, I would rather, I mean, I'm not going to be foolish. I'm going to think things through and I'm. Oh yeah. That is very true. You're not going to move without like getting all of your ducks in a row, but you are going to move. I am moving. I am the. Always. The source of change. Yes, the ever-present steam engine going forward into the future is sterling. Yeah, so maybe that'll be helpful for listeners. Are you afraid of failing? Are you more afraid of failing than of having serious regrets your whole life? Yeah. Because for me, the regrets are way worse than way the worse failure. Than failure. At least I I tried. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be sitting around when I'm. 85 going, you know, I had a really cool story once, but I just couldn't get those commas right. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I think that's a really good point. You don't want to miss out on this because you're afraid. And I believe in you. I'm sure your support system believes in you. Get the story out. We need to read it. You know, there's somebody out there that needs your story. So... I would like you to finish it for them. Yeah. And the thing about this market, like if you're genuinely trying to sell your story, if you're just wanting to share it, great. That's free. There's lots of people who love free content. And there's lots of places where you can build a following with your free content. Mm -hmm. But if you're willing to sell. Yeah. This isn't like a car. Yeah. I'm going to buy one car in the next five to ten years. Therefore, I'm going to do my research and I'm research my brands and safety ratings and gas mileage. And then I'm buying that one car. Yeah. Pe- Readers 
buy books all the time. Multiple pieces of content. They're not making yeah. one purchase. So yours, yes, it would be in competition with... But, like, competition isn't even in the right word. Because people are going to read lots of stories. How fast do you read? Me? Faster than you type. 850 words a minute. <laughs> I don't know why you know that specific <laughs> number. <laughs> because I'm a weird perfectionist and I like to know things. Anyway, Liv types two words per minute, but she types. She I, re- I type 40 words per minute. <laughs> um, and I read 850. Yeah, it's like a little bit of a discrepancy. Yes. Uh, but like that means you go through books in like a weekend. I can if I'm If not, you ever have free time. If I ever have free time. Which I... Don't you, think you will. You are also, you're the steam engine for it and also the black hole of free time. <laughs> yes. Your free time will be mine. Yes, and I love you for it. And it will produce content. <laughs> the point being, Liv is an avid reader. Pretend she's a normal reader. I mean, I don't think I'm a normal reader, but you're making me look Average is 200 to 400 You're making me look like a schlump here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Say that she's a normal reader and it takes her a good two weeks to finish a 400-page book. How many weeks are in the year? Like, you're going to have other people. That was not a real question. <laughs> no one knows the answer. It's impossible to know. <laughs> okay. Um, so that means that your your book, your story, your your pod, not podcast, your no- web comic, yeah, your thank novella, you your... that I'm trying to learn Your for. Kindle Vela. <laughs> yeah. What are your com... You said comic. I don't know. Your content. Your content is not really in competition with all the other content out there. It's alongside. You go to the grocery store and you don't buy one apple. I mean, maybe you do if, like, you're having a weird, like, only one apple kind of week. <laughs> but you buy more. And if you're pricing it, you're not a $40 book. Yeah. You're, you're a $12 book. Not to mention, there are so many readers out there with so many different interests. There are people who want to read your story. Yes. And... All you have to do is research on Amazon the various categories and you will find some niche areas that have a lot of readership. And you go, I didn't realize that this was a category. And I don't want to say anything specific in case I am stepping on anybody's category toes. But Liv and I did some research and there is a lot out there. It is a beautiful, diverse place place with lots of interests and lots of... Lots of different things. So your romantic alien biker story has a place. (laughs) (laughs) And we love that it's that way because it means there's a place for us. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very niche market for angry goddesses. Yeah. On the... On... There's one other side to this I think we should talk about. Mm. Dealing with criticism. Ah, yeah. No, I'm notorious for doing that super well. So I'm the one that has trouble with perfectionism. Mm -hmm. That is my fatal flaw. I think Sterling here knows more about dealing with criticism. I think (laughs) my life has uniquely prepared me to do that. like I get criticized constantly. <laughs> we get criticized together and I criticize you occasionally and you criticize me occasionally, but me it's like they're <laughs> they're shooting arrows without tips or something. <laughs> I'm one of seven kids, the only queer in a Southern Baptist family, and went to music school for fifteen years. 
there's not a lot that you can say that will hurt me. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh. Yeah. So criticism. I'll take the reins on this one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> At the end of the day, you and your perspective matter more than anything in the world. I know that sounds incredibly egotistical, but let me explain myself before Liv's giving me this look. <laughs> You're going to get criticism that is helpful and valuable. Yes. This comma isn't supposed to be here. That's not how you spell acknowledgement. Okay, that's fair. That's and just even factual. Even this pacing, the pacing in this novel is not great. Or these I, scenes are slow. I don't understand the leaps your character is making. Or even I don't find this character believable, even though that's a hard one. Mm-hmm. So it's they're almost like fact based. Fact based, most not of feeling those. based. Maybe not the believe. Maybe not the I don't yeah. believe. Like or I don't understand. Yeah. So, but the commas and the grammar and this is slow and yes, uh, all of that, that's fact. And it can be irritating that you got the facts wrong. But if we lived in a world where everybody thought that their opinions were facts and therefore anybody else who says something different is wrong, we'd live in a really dark place. And sometimes our world is like that, but yeah. not all the time. And when you're writing, you can see facts. You can yes. say, okay, in Europe, they do spell acknowledgement with an E and in the United States or North America, they spell it without an E. Or there's one E, but not two. Eh? Oh, mint, right. Yeah. <laughs> or actually, it's... No, okay, yeah. no, no. We're, we're, we're going to skip this. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there is going to be criticism that is going to feel deeply personal, and it is not going to be fact-based. And those are the ones where you're going to have to say to yourself, is this real or is it not? Is Yeah. Did something I do in my book trigger something based on someone else, based on their experience, or is it actually wrong? Right. So I am notorious. I I tend to write our villains. Yes. I wrote Inyo. I wrote Masson. I wrote the bad guy in uh, Shepherd of Souls, which I will not name currently in case somebody is still reading it. I wrote Kiyomi, who is the pirate queen. You know, I think everybody can agree that she is not a nice character. Um, but I also have written some of our more vulnerable, soft, annoying, delicate characters. I wrote, and I don't think they're annoying, but I know they can be annoying to readers. I wrote Ali or Alphonse, and I write Zuri. Mm-hmm. And those two characters, Ali and Zuri, have gone under more attack than any of our other characters besides maybe Tristan, who was supposed to be a jerk. Yeah, he was a bad guy, and he was meant to be a bad guy. And when we say bad guy, we don't mean villain, we mean bad guy. Yeah, he was just not nice. Yeah. And it is hard when someone comes at your character and goes, Ooh, they're weak, and they just cry all the time. Oh, they're so annoying, and they never grow. Yes. Um, we talked about this some in our last podcast, mm-hmm. um, so head over to that if you want, like, in-depth information. But in these situations, we believe that it is society's judgment of women yes, that's and... coming into this. So it is okay to be 
vulnerable. vulnerable. It's okay to have your whole world ripped out from under you and not completely recover. And not just deal with it and just be fine in yeah. 400 pages. Yeah. And circling back to character creation, we talked about how my characters tend to live in a place in my brain and I don't have a lot of control over them. Yeah. I don't have say when Zuri recovers. Yeah. She was not ready. She was not ready to recover. So by we the wrote end of book one. Of Shepherd of Souls. So we wrote another book. <laughs> so we wrote another book. <laughs> when people come at your characters, if you've done your homework and you've written a true and authentic character, then you have to be able to say, though you are stabbing me in the gut with a piece of broken glass, I understand it's because your limited perception of the world or your specific perception of the world is not allowing you to accept this, to realize that this is a real experience and this is a real reaction by a real individual. She's not G.I. Joe. She's not going to just shrug it off and put dirt in her wound and, and bounce back up. Yeah. And that is a really specific example. But there will be times when people just don't like something you've done. And that's okay. Let them not like it. There are books for them out there, and there are people out there who want your books. So take criticism that is helpful to you, and for stuff that is emotional, not fact-based, and probably based off that individual's own perception, mm -hmm. then just let it slide. Mm -hmm. it's, you've just got to say, this doesn't help me. And I'm just going to move on. You know, I think the biggest thing I've gotten from character criticisms, besides understanding that the world is not empathetic to women, yeah, is us putting content and trigger warnings on our books. Yes, that's another big thing. Um, if you're getting a lot of criticism about something in your book... Gore, violence. Gore, violence. Sex scenes. Those are the sort of things that you want to warn your readers about before they get into the book. So put trigger warnings on books. I am a huge proponent of making this standard. And we didn't do it with our first one. We didn't, and that was our mistake. And, and we, then we got somebody who, I, if you've ever read that review, I think they were really seriously triggered. And that's yeah. our bad. Yeah. Sorry. We are really genuinely sorry for not warning that person about that the triggers. Quite violent. Yeah, about the triggers in Vassal. Mm -hmm. So put trigger warnings on your books to protect people who might not be in a position to absorb that. Absorb that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, to this day, cannot watch TV movies with animal violence. Yeah. And I've, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge animal person. I spent my whole life professionally working with animals. Since I was 13. Yeah. I cannot do animal violence. Yeah. Um, but I'll probably just call it content warning instead of trigger warning. Yeah. It, you don't want to trigger somebody, but it's not necessarily a word that you want to, like throw out there uh, yeah that's true it's a content warning yeah it's a strong word it's an accurate word but it is a strong word so you might just want to say content warning yeah um because being deeply affected by something somebody wrote in a visceral and negative way will then reflect in their reviews and their absorption of your material yeah it will be tainted by everything it, you cannot enjoy the great parts of this book because you were so upset. So upset. 
about the animal abuse, for instance. Yeah. It's like, I couldn't even read this book because they were hitting the horse. It's like, okay, and then I'm going to possibly leave a very bad review that may not reflect the humor, the rest of the story, because I'm so upset. Yeah. And that's not fair to me, and that's not fair to the writer, and that's not fair to um, the people who then are relying on reviews to decide what they want to read next. Yes. So, to sort of summarize, take fact-based, useful criticism and change your works or do better next time, that kind of thing. Use it to help you. Mm -hmm. For emotional, difficult reactions to things, put content warnings on your writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's uh, a good sort of rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. And then also you sort of protect yourself from not as good criticism. But at the same time, just keep in mind, not everybody's going to like it. Yeah. Uh, and so having that distance, being able to know that what you wrote isn't bad, it's... It's just not for everybody. And yeah. nobody's book is for everybody. No. That's... There are a lot of people out there who want a lot of different things, and there's a place for your book. But the better you are at making sure that, that book gets into the right people's hands, mm -hmm. then the better reviews you'll get. So we should probably do a podcast on metadata and yeah like advertising metadata that kind of like thing. making sure that your readers are being found by the right people yeah uh, yeah so maybe next time yeah i think that's good let's write that down somewhere okay uh so kind of do you think we've covered the fear of failure slash perfectionism perfect? no um success yeah i think i think that really it comes down to are you more afraid of losing one or not taking, not playing the game at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to just dip your toe in the water, to me, having my content up for free yeah, is that'd... kind of like a little... Or doing shorter fiction. Yeah. Doing novellas. Do a Kindle vella. Mm -hmm. That's a great, really just a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Throw your stuff on Kindle vella. Publish a tiny chapter a week. Get followers. Don't get followers. See what works for you. And um, dip your toes in the water. And there's nothing to say that just because you love writing, you have to be a published author. Yeah, no. You could have followers. You could have 20 dedicated followers on Wattpad that love every word you've ever written. And mm -hmm. you're still a success. <laughs> yeah. It it's just depends on what you want. I mean, I started writing years and years ago with no potential for publishing. It was just yeah. to write. We if you love writing, just write. We were both definitely writers before we published. Yeah, yeah. So it's a big topic, and uh, it's a hard one. And we really hope that this has helped you. We really want you to write. We really want you to be find your version of success and just really enjoy the heck out of it. I really like that saying, your version of success. Yeah. This has meant a lot to us. Mm-hmm our little company yeah well i mean like i don't want to be a really really big author author i don't want to be stephen king yeah i want ellis fables to do well yeah. i want yeah to grow our little publishing house and publish books for people who want authentic diverse characters yeah definitely that's kind of our shtick definitely 
All right, everybody, we're going to wrap up our podcast now, but just a little reminder that you can follow us on Instagram at LSFables or at our website, lsfables.com.